For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Hello, Raider Nation. Welcome to another edition of the Believe in Raiders podcast on the Believe in Podcast Network. I'm your host, Dennis Ackerman. It's hard to believe the Raiders' season opener against the Carolina Panthers is Sunday, September the 13th. The Raiders are currently one-point favorites, and our partners at BetOnline have you covered. So head on to BetOnline.ag today and receive your welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, that's BetOnline.ag and sign up today. I want to begin this week's edition with something I think is long overdue. On Tuesday, Tom Flores was selected as the coaching finalist for the Pro Football Hall of Fame class for 2021. I know some of you might be too young to remember Flores, but he coached the Raiders from 1979 to 1987. He led the franchise to a pair of Super Bowl wins, both in convincing fashion. In 1980, the Silver and Black beat the favored Philadelphia Eagles 27 to 10, becoming the first ever wildcard team to win a Super Bowl. Three years later, they waxed the favored Washington football team 38 to nine. In nine seasons with the Raiders, Flores had an overall record of 91 and 57, and that included eight and three in the postseason. His 91 wins are second only to the great John Madden. As I touched on in last week's podcast with Steve Weitz from the NFL Network, Flores was the first Hispanic coach hired in the NFL and became the first Hispanic coach to win a Super Bowl as well. The next step in the process for Flores is he now must receive 80% approval from the 48-member selection committee, which votes in February right before the Super Bowl. The 83-year-old Flores has been a candidate before, only to fall short of the number of required votes. If you look at the success Flores has had against some of the top coaches, the record speaks for itself. He was 6-1 versus Hall of Fame coach Don Shula, who also has the most wins of all time. 3-1 versus Chuck Knoll, who coached those great Steeler teams in the 1970s. 2-1 against Bill Walsh, the genius, and Bill Cower, who was elected into the Hall of Fame last year. Overall, Flores was 19-13 versus Hall of Fame coaches. I remember after the 1978 season, Madden resigned, and the late Al Davis had narrowed his coaching candidates down to Flores and Ollie Spencer. I had never heard of either one of them at the time. And looking back, Al clearly made the right choice. Now, there are a couple of things I fear could be working against Flores. In 1992, despite the fact that he'd been out of coaching for four years, Flores was hired by the Seattle Seahawks. Needless to say, it didn't go as well as his time with the Raiders. In three seasons, he finished 20 games under 500, 14 and 34. I've often wondered if his lack of success in Seattle hurt his Hall of Fame credentials. A friend and former colleague made the point, and I think this is very accurate. Flores had the misfortune of following John Madden, who we all know is one of the greatest coaches of all time, and a larger-than-life personality. On top of that was owner Al Davis, and the perception, real or not, was that Al coached the team. You have to remember, back then, the Raiders were the only team who didn't have a president or general manager. 
Al was all of those rolled into one. The Raider front office pipeline went directly from owner to coach. Unheard of in today's football. Last point I'd like to make on Flores. I was fortunate enough to meet him before a Raiders-Chiefs game in 2017. I asked him which one of his Super Bowl teams was better, and without hesitation, he said the 83 Raiders. They had eight Pro Bowlers on that roster, including tight end Todd Christensen, cornerback Lester Hayes, linebackers Ted Hendricks and Rod Martin, right tackle Henry Lawrence, defensive lineman Howie Long, safety band McElroy, and kick returner Greg Pruitt. In addition, five Hall of Famers, Howie Long, cornerback Mike Haynes, Ted Hendricks, running back Marcus Allen, and punter Ray Guy. Hopefully, Tom Flores will be part of that group sooner rather than later. All right, let's get to the present day Raiders now. When John Gruden and Mike Mayock selected Alabama running back Josh Jacobs with the 24th overall selection in last year's draft, it was met with some skepticism by some who felt it might not be wise to use a first-round selection on a running back. And I get it. In today's NFL, teams are looking in the lower rounds to find their featured back. However, it didn't take long for Jacobs to prove the doubters wrong. The 22-year-old finished the season with a franchise rookie record 1,150 yards rushing and seven touchdowns while fumbling just once in 242 rushing attempts. He did all this in just 13 contests. I've said this before, and I think it bears repeating. If he didn't miss three out of the last four games because of an injury, he would have been Offensive Rookie of the Year. The 1,150 yards rushing ranks sixth all-time for a Raiders single season. The great Marcus Allen holds the record with 1,759 yards back in 1985. I thought this was an interesting little nugget as well. The Raiders were founded in 1960, and only 16 times has a running back gained 1,000 yards or more in a season. The two backs who have accomplished it the most, Marcus Allen, and how about Mark Van Egan? They each did it three times. Barring any major injuries, I think Josh Jacobs has a good chance to surpass those two. Jacobs says one of his goals this year is to get more involved in the passing game, and he thought he could realistically have 60 receptions. I think that's a pretty tall order considering he had just 20 all of last season. GM Mike Mayock, Coach John Gruden, and offensive coordinator Greg Olson have also reiterated they want to get Jacobs more involved in the passing game this year as well. But with all the weapons the team added in the offseason, I'm not so sure he's going to have that many opportunities. The Raiders used three selections in the draft to surround quarterback Derek Carr with more talent. Wide receivers Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards have been getting rave reviews from coaches and teammates. And Lynn Bowden Jr., he's a converted wide receiver who will play running back and is expected to have a big role in the passing game. Combine the fact they still have Williams, Hunter Renfro, and Darren Waller returning, that is a lot of mouths to feed. So for the first time in a long time, there appears to be a plethora of talent on offense, and that's certainly a good problem to have. I also looked up this little stat. The Raider running back with the most receptions in a season is Charlie Garner. He caught 91 passes in 2002, the last time the Raiders appeared in the Super Bowl. It's a remarkable number considering teams weren't passing as much as they do in today's game. And if you're wondering what's the most catches by a running back from a Gruden coach team, 75 by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers' Michael Pittman in 2003. So I applaud Josh Jacobs for his lofty goal, but at the end of the day, I think it's going to be a tall ladder to climb. As you know, Jacobs was one of three first-round picks the Raiders had last year. 
One of the other picks I was really high on was safety Jonathan Abram. When the Raiders selected him 27th, head coach John Gruden and GM Mike Mayock saw the former Mississippi State star potential. And I don't think it took too long for the rest of us to see it as well. He stepped in right away, earning a starting spot, and never gave it up until he suffered a season-ending injury in the opener against the Denver Broncos. And how ironic is this, Raider Nation? The play he got hurt on? The league fined him nearly $30,000 for lowering his head to initiate contact. And now that he's healthy, I see Abram as one of the most aggressive safeties in the league. And that's no exaggeration. I know we just had a small sample size based on last year's training camp, preseason games, and season opener. But if you recall, during last year's hard knocks, Gruden on several different occasions had to tell Abram to scale it back. Remember this as well. The shoulder injury which ended his season happened during the middle of the game as he was driving Denver Broncos running back Royce Freeman out of bounds. Abram finished that game. And then the next day, Gruden announced he was out for the year. But even after he was hurt, Abram stuck around the team facility in Alameda, trying to absorb as much as he could. He was determined to stay engaged in meetings or private film sessions with Raiders staff. In the offseason, Abram said what he went through last year has only made him more eager to get back to work. I think we all got a taste of what he can do now, and everyone is thirsty to see what he can do over a 16-game season. If you look at great defenses, Raider Nation, the safety is so important because in every system, it plays such a key part of the defense, watching the quarterback and seeing everything develop in front of them. Abram is going to be counted on to help shore up a defense that surrendered over four 100 points last season. It's also going to be interesting to see who starts alongside him. Will it be Eric Harris, who led the Raiders with three interceptions a year ago, including two of those for pick sixes against the Colts and the Chargers? Or will it be one of the new guys brought in, former Cowboy Jeff Heath or ex-Brown and Packer Demarius Randall? We do know this. Abram is the key cog. And one last thing on Abram. If you don't think he recognizes where hard work will get you, then I strongly recommend you read his article on the Players' Tribune from August the 6th. All right, Raider Nation, that's going to do it for this edition of the Believe in Raiders podcast on the Believe in Podcast Network. I'm Dennis Ackerman. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.